This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Blood Red Liverpool podcast. My name is Dan Kay and I'm joined by two of my esteemed compadres from the Liverpool Echo Sports Desk on a very special weekend for the Echo. It's our 140th birthday, so yay for us. Um, you two have been to Melwood today to see her Jurgen Klopp ahead of this weekend's big match against Tottenham at Anfield on Sunday. Um, what form was he in? How was he? He was in good form, actually, yeah. Um, gave a little bit of an update on... Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joel Matip and um, Jadon Chiquetti. It looks like Trent's going to be okay. Obviously missed um, missed Genk in midweek, didn't he? Didn't even travel with the squad as he was ill. Um, looks like he, he's going to be okay. Yeah, Ian Klopp said he spoke to him and, and he, he says he was fine, but he hadn't seen him at the time. He, he wasn't at Melwood today, but um, it seems like he could be okay. And it looks like Joel Matip's going to be... Um, well, I think they're going to assess him, but it, it, it sounded like... Uh, he's going to be back on back on the team, um, so you'd imagine they'd be looking something a little bit more like Liverpool's traditional back four uh, for the visitors' pairs on Sunday. No Jadon Chikiri, his his weight goes on. Um, that calf injury seems to kept them off for quite a while now, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we know Allison had one for over two months, so these things take time, um, especially with his calves. Yeah, yeah. well, power cube calves, aren't yeah. they? Exactly. Yeah. So he's not going to be involved. But generally, yeah, he was in in good form. He was talking about Fabinho. And he said, well, it's put to him that maybe he needs a rest as he does play a lot of games. And Klopp said, well, he doesn't play on international duty. That's a rest for him. He just he just travels. Um, that was quite fun, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like he said one. he doesn't play, he just flies. <laughs> um, and then someone said to him, well, should he be playing? And he said, look, I'm not going to create headlines in Brazil. I don't need that on my back, which is fair enough. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, Fabinho has been called up to the Brazil squad today. Um whether he plays or not, we shall see. But I think um, I, th- I think he had a bit of a point in terms of suggesting that an international break is, is essentially two weeks off for Fabinho. So there's no danger of a, of a burnout for him. You know how important he is to the Liverpool team. But um, generally, Klopp was in good form today, yeah. Good. So it just occurred to me, I didn't even do the introductions properly. That was, of course, our Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, Paul Gorst. And to my right, we have Kiever O'Neill. Um, also from our sports desk. Kiva, what was your main takeaway from uh, your lunchtime appointment with Mr Klopp today? Just really enjoyed it, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> How could you not? the stuff that he spoke about. Um, he was in like really relaxed. Usually it seems like a little bit louder in there and there's just more going on, but he just seemed really relaxed and quite focused. He was in quite a, a chilled outlook, yeah. I'd say. He was very, you know, the questions he didn't seem, not really seemed to, you know, I think after the, the win... In the Champions League, that always puts you in in a good spirit, anyway, doesn't mm. it? Going into the weekend, and you know, he didn't come across at all any pressure. And this is a massive game. Like mm. we, you know, if you really think into it, and I've just got this like spares a gun for revenge. Like you know, the the game at Anfield, obviously that awful own goal, um, and then obviously Champions League final. Like you need any any excuse for revenge off that. So you know, spares will be gunning for us, and obviously they've just sort of lay down a bit of a, a market in terms of yeah. performance with a, a 5-0 win in midweek. So, you know, you felt like maybe Klopp would show... He doesn't show not on those, does he? He's just cool, calm, mm. collected. And you feel, I felt quite, as a fan, you know, the other side of... You're a journalist and a fan. But as a fan, if you listen to him today, you'd be quite relaxed and quite confident with, you know, how he goes about it. Even, like, you know... In terms of the midfield, had a lot of good things to say about Naby and Oxley Chamberlain as well. And you know, 
this could be a problem that we've got too many good players that want to play in the same positions. But, you know, it's not. It is a positive and, you know, he, he really did did speak about it like that. And um, Yeah, so took took some good things away from it, didn't we, Paul? Mm. Our little rainy trip to got absolutely it's soaked. Just about dried out. Well, I've barely dried out because <laughs> I've had to walk from the car and also got a bit drenched. Um, we'll carry on on that kind of same vein to kind of you know elaborate on the point you raised. Tot- I mean, Tottenham have a horrendous record at Anfield. I think it's three wins since the Titanic sunk really? in about 1912. Wow. I do remember kind of like it, when I was kind of first getting into it in mid-80s, they did win in, I think, 85, and that was the first time since 1913, 14, whatever. The last time that they win was at Modric, I'm sure, scored. 2011, the 2 0. Yeah, I missed that game. That was the first home game I've missed in about 12 years. That's why? I was in Ireland but... on a Father Ted press trip. Oh, really? That's... Slight little deviation there. <laughs> but my point was, though, how. I mean, I want to know why you were there. Let's deviate. Okay, from... well, very briefly, um, it was. It was a, a press trip that was offered basically to go to the Father Ted. Every... Paddy Island? It was in County Clare. Right. I remember that. And basically, they, 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 have an, they have an annual Father Ted festival. Um, they had Father Damien there. Do you remember the kind of little young priest with the ear yeah, who yeah. kind of led yeah. Dougal astray a little yeah. bit? He was there. Um, we went to, went to the little house where they lived in, where they would actually give us tea and cakes and everything. People do uh-huh. actually live there. And it was the end, end of season game. I hadn't missed a league game prior to that since Bradford in 1999. So this was May 2011. But it became a bit of a monkey Long on run the back. There. It's a long run. I missed the odd cup game here and there. Um, and we got beat 2-0, so I kind of felt quite justified by it. But yeah, so there's that one, 2011. I remember early in ninth, as soon as last year, we lost 2-1 at home to them early in the season. Teddy Sheringham scored twice. I think that might be the only two. Uh, the, and, and 1985 when Garth Crooks scored, I think. So Tottenham do have a horrendous record at Anfield. However, as we know, records are there to be broken. A lot's been said about Tottenham in terms of how they've reacted to their disappointments in the European Cup final in contrast to the way that we reacted, say, this time last season when we were already near the top of the league and motion forward. Obviously, Tottenham, as Kiefer mentioned, had an excellent 5-0 win against Red Star Belgrade on Tuesday, was it? Mm. But otherwise, they've been in horrendous league form. We're lucky not to lose at home to Watford last weekend. Got battered 3-0 at Brighton. Um fortnight before for the international break they will obviously be looking at this as an opportunity to ignite their season how dangerous an opponent are they for Liverpool this weekend honestly I, I don't think I don't think they're that dangerous I mean Klopp did say we're playing a top six opponent um, oh and okay they're not in great form but they are still so dangerous and you'd go along with that with the, with the players they've got but I just think Liverpool now are just so so far ahead of, of every other team except for Manchester City in this league that no one scares, scares them or should scare them. I think last week was a missed opportunity. Before the game against Manchester United, I thought Liverpool should have went there and been a little bit more bolshy and, and just basically played the, the team rather than the club, if that makes sense. Mm. And this, this, I suppose, is a similar thing. Liverpool are, are better than Tottenham. Tottenham are a good side, but Liverpool are better than them. Um, to beat them home, away and in Madrid last season... Um, and I can't really see... I mean, Spurs are going to have to be near perfect on the day to get a result at Anfield, and they've been nowhere near that in the Premier League this season. It's um, shaping up to look like a Liverpool victory, and what, what Liverpool have to do is just just basically guard against complacency, which Klopp is always so keen to to stress and, and put across in his, uh, in his messages in press conferences and so on. So I don't think that'll be a problem. 
And I think Liverpool have got enough about them to just inflict more misery on, on Spurs, um, who were basically becoming free fall since since that Champions League final mm. defeat. I mean, it's a weird one because when Liverpool lost against Real Madrid in 2018, it didn't feel like a, you know, you were you were gutted and you were disappointed and and whatever, but it didn't feel like that was the end of the line for Liverpool. It almost felt like that was the start of their return to basically becoming a European powerhouse once again. When Spurs lost to Liverpool in June, it felt like that was the very much the end of the road and, and the end of the line. And since then, they haven't really done much to suggest otherwise. Um, Pochettino's always talking like he's, it's the final days of Rome, and even today he said um, the Champions League final was was win or bust for us, and it was bust. And everyone felt so empty after the game, and he's very much talking as though he's on his last legs and. You know he's a fantastic manager, but at the moment it's really not going right for for him or his players. And Liverpool have got to make sure that they um, basically add to that misery on Sunday. I mean, a lot comes down to perception, doesn't it, Kiva? You know, the, the, the situations weren't wildly dissimilar in terms of the club's trajectories when they got to that European Cup final. But the whole narrative coming out of Tottenham, both before, during, and after, has been markedly different to the to the, the sounds that we heard coming out of Klopp and out, and out of Anfield. Why do you think Spurs' form has fallen off a cliff the way they have? Is it just down to kind of like the mentality, the kind of end of days type approach, or, or does it go deeper than that? And, and can it be turned around? I don't quickly? know because you, you sort of look into if they hadn't made the Champions League final, would this have happened anyway? Mm. You feel like Ajax or them, if we would have beat them, you feel like, you know, Ajax were going to sell a lot of players and probably not have the same yeah. season that they had last season this year. So it's sort of similar with Spurs, although they didn't, you know, do a lot in the market in terms of outgoing players. But I don't know, it just feels like it felt like make or break for Liverpool. But Liverpool, as Paul mentioned, getting beat by Real Madrid, it still felt like a coming of age. Like, you know, this team, this squad, what Jurgen Klopp's doing, it felt like a vision and something we were we were aiming for and we were going to do again. You know, we didn't think in our wildest dreams, really. We hoped that it would happen as quick as it did yeah. the year after. Yeah. Like, we're all dreaming of Istanbul and you don't quite know. You just dream, don't you? And you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then it, it does happen and, you know, it sort of cements everything Jürgen Klopp's done. And I feel like, what does that do to Pochettino? And, like, you know, he's in sort of a similar position to Jürgen going into that. One of them was going to be the loser and in a different way of, you know, not being able to bring home silverware. And, you know, Tottenham haven't won a lot, have they, in, in recent years. So I feel like that pressure's on them. And, you know, it does kind of just maybe, does it does a team switch off then over the summer? And it's rebuilding that, I don't know, say the week before, if you went into the Spurs training camp before the final, they would have been flying, they would have been higher than anything, you know, especially after beating Ajax in, in those the way in did, dramatic yeah. fashion. You know, so to reach that level, you can never really reach it again and you just have to keep sort of going towards it, don't you? And I just feel like this season, I don't know, something's just... I can't say in particular in performances. Obviously, Lloris is injured now and I think he's a big person in the dressing room, Skip captain, isn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah. a leader. So you things like that. But that was quite late on into the season. He weren't performing before he got injured. So, mm. you know, it does call into question and I think a lot of Liverpool fans will be thinking how hopefully are that Liverpool won the final, but in the same breath, Liverpool were going to be this team this season either way because of what they've done in the league and, you know, Spurs were quite way off in the league last season yeah, anyway, yeah. so I don't know, maybe 
the Spurs bubble has finally burst, maybe, of the past few seasons. Not to, you know, but they, they kept getting closer to something and then nothing. They needed a League Cup, remember they were in the final yeah. Yeah. They needed something like that. Just a, a tiny little bedrock yeah. of just, you know, these players have won something and to enjoy that success together. But now they haven't and you feel like Ericsson wants it out and stuff like that. I don't think that helps in the dressing room. And then Harry Kane, it, I don't know, he's a great player, but he's not performing up to probably the level he'd want to be this season. And, you know, I think it's all individual little battles that they need to win and then come together as a group, but they just feel so far away. And hopefully Liverpool can inflict a little bit more pain on them this mm -hmm. weekend, you know, not to be thingy, but Liverpool will want to do that. And I feel like it'll be in the opening 15 minutes where that can sort of, that tone can be set and yeah. Spurs can just yeah. be like, oh my God, like, How do you live with like these? the Brighton game. They yeah. just... You know, they were doing all the same things and it, it is hard. To, you know, they're doing the same things that work for them last year so well, but it's not working for them now. So what what do they do? And that's, you know, the big the big problem facing them. It's a good point you're making. Well, we'll use that to kind of take us on to, you know, a little bit look back at Genk in, in midweek. When you you, know, you mentioned that first 15 minutes and it, it seemed to me, I don't know what, what you two thought, in terms of the, the, the team clock named on Wednesday night, that, obviously, particularly that midfield, it seemed very much a mentality of we're aware that you know any team can cause us problems if 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 we don't go about this the right way. But we're not going to give we're not going to give you the chance mm. to even get any kind of a foothold in this game. We're going to come out, start strong, and get the game won early on. Um, now, obviously, you know taking that approach against a team like Genk is slightly different to taking that approach against a team like Tottenham, who obviously are a few levels above Genk. Champions League finalists, you know, a top three, top four Premier League team. Can you see Liverpool starting off on, on Sunday in, in that same way or do you think they'll go a little bit cagier? I think I think it'll be a similar type of intensity to it. Um, I think the thing said 4.30 on a Sunday is always a nice time for the Anfield crowd. Yeah. They've got enough time to get in and make a bit of noise and, and, and basically spare them on. The exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, It'll be dark as well, we're not getting dark. Yeah, yeah clocks the, the clocks. clocks. That's, yeah, so that, that, that's, an, that's another little kind of element to it to just just increase the atmosphere a little bit and the players will, will respond to that, they, they invariably do. And I expect Liverpool, as Kiva says, for them to fly out the traps and try and you know make a statement. Because they always, they always tend to do it more in, the, in these big games anyway. Um, but I don't see it being... A similar midfield to the one against Genk. I, I, I agree with your points entirely there, Dan. About Klopp, basically, he showed Genk a lot of respect as he always does in his press conference on Tuesday. Um, spoke lonely about them, but when the team was announced an hour and fifteen before kickoff, it was clear that he felt he could blow them away with with his front three and Oxley Chamberlain and Cater both in the midfield. I don't see that midfield starting again on Sunday. I think probably let go of quite a bit of control which a team like Spurs could definitely make more of than, than Genk could um, so I don't see the same midfield but in terms of the intensity of the start with Oxley chamberlain scoring after two minutes I can see it being a, a similar type of thing where Liverpool just fly out the traps and really look to, to make a statement inside the first 15-20 minutes It needs to be as well because obviously at Old Trafford it was the last 15 minutes when they put that statement mm. out and it was mm. it wasn't too late because obviously we got the equaliser but you know, it feels like these games, the tone needs to be set quite early on in the first 30 minutes just to say, you know, an early goal would be great, but not even that, just, you know, in terms of how Liverpool are keeping the ball and playing. Where, uh, at Old Trafford, there was, you know, 
it was balls were going everywhere and it didn't yeah, feel like you just couldn't you? get yeah. and you know we were making Man United look good which is never a good thing these days is it so yeah. take some doing <laughs> yeah. arguably the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo one thing that, that struck me particularly about the game, the league game at Anfield last season um, was the, you know, I'd say probably the first half hour of the second half I'd say Tottenham gave in that that 45 to 75 period let's say Possibly the the I would say the best performance by an opposing team at Anfield last season. Mm. How much do you think they will be able to draw on that to kind of convince themselves that this is doable for them? You know, it, looking at it obviously from an outside point of view, from a Liverpool perspective, you could imagine that you know there might be a fair degree of trepidation for Spurs people coming up here. How do they go about convincing themselves that maybe there is a glimmer of hope? Can they take much from Liverpool's not exactly rip-roaring performance at Old Trafford? Or is there something for, for Spurs to get their teeth into there, do you think? They're going to have to, aren't they? Because they've got precious little else to, to cling on to at the moment. So obviously, uh, Tuesday night was, was a, a very good result for them, 5-0 at Red Star Belgrade. Um, you know, Liverpool struggled against them in the last season. So... They're going to have to maybe look at that performance last season at Anfield, particularly the second half, as, as to where and, and when they can get some success in certain areas of the pitch. Um, they could have could have won it, couldn't they? Remember Soko's chance? And Van Dijk. If, kind if Van Dijk of, doesn't split them two there, yeah. then they go on and score and Liverpool's title challenge ends a lot sooner than it seems did. To, um, seems to remember Fabinho coming on with about 20, yeah, 15 yeah. to go had a, a very big impact on the yeah. game and kind of Begged the question, well, which I think we all thought when the team was announced that day, why isn't he, why why isn't he playing in those kind of games? He's pretty much the first name on the, seat, on the team sheet now, Keeper, isn't he, for these kind of matches where you know the midfield is going to be the battleground where things are won and lost. Yeah, and he's awesome, isn't he? You know, we've. He's. It's difficult with the midfield because, you know, there are, and like obviously Naby and Oxnav, you know, put, put themselves about like mm. at Old Trafford and then um, on, on Wednesday. So. It does feel like, you know, there is positions up for grabs, but it just feels like his is not. It feels like for being... Yeah. And it's been that way for a long time now. We spoke mm. about it before and, you know, he is awesome. He's got the longest legs I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and he just some... He's like a... Longer than Paul's. Longer than Paul's. Wow. They just sort of like spades on. Yeah. He just gets <laughs> digs the ball out and it. he's like... in like It's like he's in a war zone constantly. He's just like on a battleground... And he's sort of just running everywhere. And, you know, he only turned 26 this week. And Klopp said, you know, he can play for the next 10 years. And you think, if we can get what we're getting out of James Milner, left back, right mm. back, playing on the moon, <laughs> we can probably get, you know, so much out of Fabinho as well. Because he can play in defence as well. And he looks like a player who could play, like, go forward as well if you needed him to. He's tall, you know. if He can pick a pass. We did the case uh, Mane's goal against United last year. He's lovely yes. little lofted yeah. little chip into the box which Manny Chester down and put in I agree 100% with everything you're saying do you share the concern that I have that absolutely he's fundamentally the first name on the team sheet for this kind of match arguably he's the first name on the team sheet for a lot of these kind of matches is this going to become a problem as we get into the business end of the season because there's already was it the the Kante goal at Chelsea when he just started to look at you know, he, 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 he just looked all of a sudden very tired Kante ghosted past him because he's so important to this team, how important is it that Liverpool develop a kind of plan B to at least preserve his legs and his energy up to a point so that they can 
be confident going into March, April and May that he can give 100% performances? I don't think that just you can have the rest on this, but I don't think actually these are really fit players and I don't think Mm. it should be an issue with them Mm. playing week in, week out because... You know they are running every day and they're constantly. The you know they're athletes, so yeah. I just feel like you know it shouldn't be a problem. Obviously, it is like the Kante goal. He just sort of stopped, but I feel like that was a question of more him just thinking. You know, a lazy moment. We've all been there. And you know, to be I'm fair, sure I using for Echo FC the odd time, just <laughs> leave a man and let him go, and then he scores. You've obviously, never seen me play keeper. Yeah. Yeah. Like tireless, tireless displays. Yeah. Or tired displays. And, and, and to be fair, you know, I, I don't even on the pitch in the crowd or watching on TV. I don't think many people thought when. When Kante lined that up from the edge of the box, this is going to the top corner. It was Fabinho probably one of them. Probably never then, thought that was let him have a little go. But yeah, that, that's just picking one particular incident. I, you know, I, I think there have been a couple of other incidents in games when he has just started to look a little bit leggy. And I suppose it's the same problem with the front three. How do you get a top quality replacement in when they're not going to play most of the time? Well, Klopp said on Tuesday um, in the press conference, some some of my players have played 17 games already this season. Mm. Um, I don't know who exactly has played that that figure, but he, I remember him saying seventeen, um, including internationals, probably. That. Yeah, but you'd argue that maybe Fabinho is one of them because he doesn't really seem to miss many games anymore, mm. does he? And he has become so important to, to the midfield that it's now gone from Klopp having to pick three for every game to picking two, and, and Fabinho he, he pretty much starts every game. But I think he's one one yellow card away from missing the game. Yes, so he is. If he he's missing the city, well, one game away from a ban. Got to go Long for game, it, Annie. Which obviously, yeah. if he got it at Villa, would rule him out for City, yes. which would be so a big problem. The maybe you'd think if it's Liverpool winning two or three nil in the final two minutes, he can just give one of theirs a kick and pick up a, the most cynical of yellow cards. Not that I'd ever uh, promote that, but well, maybe he. I mean, the, the, there is going to be, there are going to be games that Liverpool are going to have to rest them. So looking ahead to, I mean, he's going to play Sunday. I don't think anyone could question that. But looking ahead to. Maybe Aston Villa. I mean, he won't play against Arsenal, will he? But he, maybe he'll sit out the game against Villa mm. with that Manchester City game in mind because Liverpool cannot afford to be without Fernand, uh, Fernandinho, be without Fabinho when he's Manchester off Fernandinho. City, he is, yeah. And in his that, prime. I think that's what Klopp meant by saying he can play for another 10 years because Fernandinho's 35 now, isn't he? So if. Fabinho, and he's only just started petering out, but I mean, yeah, now he's yeah. playing centre half, isn't he? So it just shows, yeah. you know, how. So, I mean, it was only he's... last summer that the. the Brought in Rodri, wasn't it? They've they've mm. had so many years for him. So certainly years left in, in Fabinho's tank. But there will be games where he's going to have to be rested, and Klopp's going to have to be quite cute as, as to where and when they come. Well, and if you know one of one of the big takeaways from midweek, obviously, was the performance in midfield of, of Oxlade Chamberlain and Kater. As Paul's said, Kiva, I don't think anyone expects to see the bo- both of their names on the the starting lineup sheet for. Sunday but going forward if Liverpool are to become a little bit cuter and more adaptable in midfield having those kind of players around with Lalana and Henderson and others to maybe give them options further back would hopefully be an end to the means for that if one of them was to be involved from the start on Sunday between Chamberlain and Cater in terms of giving Liverpool a bit more of an attacking outlet who would you like to see? Oxley chamberlain not only for his display against Genk, but because obviously he played the, in the North London derby. Of course, and think he about will yeah. really dislike Tottenham one. from a different mm. perspective, and not <laughs> and not only that he'll be used to winning them because you know historically and especially when he was at Arsenal, Arsenal would always beat Spurs. You know it hasn't always been that way over the past few seasons, but 
you know, we'll have that experience and that sort of, you know, like you'll always want to sort of, like after the final, he was, I think, happy and did he send something about Arsenal? I remember there was something there and he... Did he, yeah? I remember there was like a message or there was something. I I can't quite remember what it was, whether it was a post or he said something. Um, So obviously that like, you know, that rivalry is already in him from his his time um, with the Gunners. So I feel like he'll just have the edge and, you know, that Premier League experience as well. More than what More than what Cater has. And I feel like it maybe it's, it shouldn't be a risk throwing Cater into any situation. I think he's a brilliant player and he showed that from... I think it was at eight seconds in the other night and he was just like headed the ball and then passed it. it and you, Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, great. So I feel like you could throw him in and he'd, he'd do, do you the solid, but I just feel like Oxley chamberlain after that brace, he's fired, he's ready to go. Build a goal against Spurs would just be astronomical, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing yeah. for him. That second goal, by the way, was absolutely stunning. I, I don't think enough's being made of that. Was it the best Liverpool goal you've seen live? Uh, well, I, I said we did the podcast yesterday on our way back from from um, Belgium, and mm. I said it was one of them definitely. Mm. Um, Has to be up there. I, yeah. I'd have to I'd have to sit and have a think of other goals I've seen live. But it was definitely up there. Outside of the foot, first time, twenty five yards out, bar and in, unbelievable. But but also as well, you know, an important goal in the game. It's, yeah, yeah. Liverpool for their one 0 lead. It was what 10, 12 minutes after half time. The game was still in the balance. You know, yeah. it, it, it's. I was when people talk about the greatest ever goals. You know, obviously there's technically in the in context, but I was kind of thinking for it to be at the very, very top bracket for me, it needs a bit of context. That's why for me, I'd always say Gerard against Olympiacos because it led to mm. it led to something as opposed to when you do something like that and it's the fifth and a five 0 win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we'll all take one if it goes in off somebody's backside on on Sunday if if, if it's the winning goal. Um, what very briefly, what's the greatest Liverpool goal you've seen like either? Well, it wasn't Salas against Chelsea because I looked down or at mm. someone. I think we were sat next to me, and, it, and then it just in the ground. Was like, what the hell? I did that yeah. for Heskey's header against Roma. I was looking at my phone, and then <laughs> just got grabbed from behind. Yeah, I just I remember I speaking to the person next to me, and then the, <laughs> the ball was in the net. I had a like, pound for every Liverpool goal I've missed, particularly when like watching TV before you could rewind live TV as well. So that wasn't what you asked, but no. I don't actually know. Put you on the spot a bit there. Sorry. Yeah, I'll I'll think okay, and it'll, we'll come it'll come back to, back to me. I just don't want to give you one that's not, you know. The but I should probably have it, shouldn't I? But we'll root it out. We'll root it out. Right, you know. Um, okay, well, before we kind of conclude with the usual team selections and and predictions, well, it's been another significant piece of breaking news regarding Liverpool Football Club today, yes. with the conclusion uh, in the High Court in London of uh, the court case determining whether New Balance have the right to continue their kit uh, association with Liverpool. And the court decided that um, they don't. And it looks like Liverpool's three, four-year partnership with New Balance... Uh, four. Four will, will, be coming to the end of the, will be coming to a conclusion at the end of this season. Paul, how, how pleased will the power brokers at Anfield be today about this? Oh, uh, huge. I mean, Liverpool... When they signed that deal with New Balance in 2015, I think it was, uh, it was for £45 million a year, which is not an insignificant amount, but it's not the £75 million that Manchester United are currently earning from Adidas. And um, if you look at the you look at the standings, I think, I think it might only be Tottenham who were below them in, in terms of the, the big teams in, in the Premier League, in terms of what they earn. So... Liverpool have felt for some time actually now it hasn't been just since they won the Champions League mm. uh, it's been rumbling on for, for probably over a year now that Liverpool have felt that they could be earning and should be earning a little bit closer 
to that bottom line that United um, get from Adidas, uh, which is seventy-five million. So, uh, there's, uh, with with the news today, the, it looks like the, the five-year deal with Nike is going to be worth around about thirty million pound a year. But the intangible um, thing, the, the key the key factor in this is how much they can shift from the likes of LeBron James and Serena Williams and and Drake all advertising the pool strips across the world. Um, New Balance argued that that couldn't be measured, so that was like a an intangible mm. um, number that couldn't be, you know, because they, they felt they had the right with the matching clause, but it was decreed by Mr Justice Tier in the High Court that actually you can you can kind of put a figure on on what these these people can bring to you. So um the case was dismissed and Liverpool are free to negotiate with whoever they are whoever they want and it and it will be Nike and um the kits have already been agreed upon actually. Um so they'll be unveiled I'd imagine at some point next year. It's normally in the April time, isn't it? And that'll be um in place for next season. So it's um it's a new new chapter off the field, isn't it? Liverpool are gonna be earning a lot more than they currently do. You'd imagine with with all the the twenty percent um guarantee that they're gonna be getting on top of the thirty million pound a year. So um, the people inside Anfield will be, will be delighted, no doubt. Kiva, what does this mean to fans? Will fans really be bothered? I think fans have shown a great interest yeah. in the whole, you know, the the court case, and I think it's you know interesting that we're going to have a new kit provider. That always brings something. The only thing that sort of troubles me is the thought that they've already designed it and it's already obviously they have to because we don't see this behind the scenes logistics and there's like. You know, whatever it was, two point nine million units yeah. of whatever, and they've Six got a million on fabric. And I'm sure they've got to get all this stuff. You know, so we know more. that. But like when they've actually talked about, it, I'm like, wow, can't they just make it like close to the time because it won't be fresh? And <laughs> but obviously, you know, they have to do these things. And I'm sure the kit will be great. I think it's quite exciting to be honest. I feel a little bit sorry for New Balance because you know they've mm. made two of our best ever selling kits and, you know, and kits we, that we we'll, we will always associate with with good times, yes. and we'll, happy we'll, memories. We yeah. will, you know, and. They can go away and I think, you know, will have been boosted by being a part of Liverpool at this time. And, you know, the New Balance logo is always going to be on them. The footage from, you know, one of our greatest nights ever, if not yeah. a couple of great nights we've had in that, in in, uh, in New and Balance. possibly more because, so, you know, yeah. got till there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, if we can win the Premier League, I'm sure they go away from it thinking, you know, we've lost Liverpool, but we've, we, we've had a great run with them. And, yeah. you know, for them as a brand, I'm sure it's been been very good um, it's exciting I think Nike you know someone to come in new and design our kits and obviously this opens the door now to all the uh, Mbappe rumours and things which is you know all, nailed all, on, all quite it's all actually quite... trending at the moment Mbappe 2020 yeah. would there you, you believe go. and we can exclusively reveal as well that the home kit will be red yes. just in case anyone was wonder- worrying or wondering you never know though <laughs> well if you look at those shorts for this season but let's let's not open that kind of worms right we'll we'll wrap things up guys um okay let's do a joint team selection we're all having Alisson and goal aren't we yeah are we yeah no okay um not not bringing back David James now that he's been kicked off straightly oh was he yeah <laughs> I, I only know because I heard that on the radio I don't I don't watch it honestly um the fullbacks are fit I, I didn't see the press conference today, but catching up. Well, I mean, Klopp didn't 100% say Trent Alexander-Arnold is no longer ill, but he said, uh, well, yeah, it's, I'd be surprised if he didn't play. Yeah. Um, and I guess the you know, the question then is centre-back. Matip, they're still checking on, aren't they? Yeah, he's, he's another one. It, it sounded positive. Um, 
would, yeah, I'd, I'd put my money on Matip starting. Dejan Lovren had, it seemed to me anyway, I was working in here, so Will and the opportunities I had briefly to look up for my laptop. Um, Lovren seemed to have a decent game until he had a little bit of a Lovren moment in the last minute, which obviously seems like it was almost manner to heaven for some of the Lovren haters on Twitter who, despite a Liverpool winning 4-1, just got ready to get stuck into him again. Would you have any concerns if he if if he got thrown in again on? on I can't either? lie and say yeah, it would be a little bit. He had a great game until then. There were moments there always are with him. I think wobbly a little bit sometimes, and you know there are moments of just pure strength and mm. amazing defending as well. But that moment does leave that little bit of insecurity in your mind, thinking if that happens last minute against Tottenham, you know, it could be very costly for for our, our league title pursuit and mm. you know it does leave that but you know he's a he's a seasoned veteran isn't he? he's professional and yeah. you wouldn't think something like he'll learn from that what you'd like to think he would you know he just seems to get wrongs I don't even know what happened just didn't really use his strength he used his strength at the wrong time I think and he sort of bundled Got, over the wrong side and then Maybe understandably thought I'm not going to bring him, not going to bring him down here and get I was really happy for Genk to be honest. Feel like they deserve the goal. They deserve that Alison, little. That Alison Becker didn't look very happy for Genk. I know, but no, <laughs> clean sheet bonus out the window. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I think Matt, Matt it's fitting place, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, all right. The sixty-four thousand dollars question is here, as it is every weekend. The midfield. Hit me. Fabinho. I agree. Third it. Henderson. No, no, not well. Mm. Mm, I don't I'm not going to go. See, this is it, isn't yeah. it? This yeah. is tough. And I, I've got a lot of time for Jordan Henderson. It's the thing. The problem with Henderson is that he's a captain and he's actually been playing really well when he's played. So there's nothing you can leave him out for, but other than... Well, it has... has why he, would you leave him out? That's I think he's been a huge part of Liverpool's success. I think him moving into that more advanced position in the spring of last year was fundamental to the kind of that team kicking on into the final stage of the season and doing what they did. But I'm sure, you know, his form has been patchy yeah. at best, I'd say, at the start mm-hmm. of this season. And certainly before the midweek game, hadn't he been the first sub in the previous four games when we changed the system? Which to me kind of said that something's not quite working there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see James Milner taking that role. And just to jump ahead of you, so I would go Fabinho, Milner, Chamberlain. Right, to play devil's advocate then, I'm going to go Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Keita. And I'm Fabinho, Wijnaldum and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Got it, got it back, I'm now. Yeah, well, that, that, I think that that's what, that's two of the three of us putting Chamberlain in. I mean, you know, Milner and... The, the beauty is, we've got really good options here. Yeah. And no shout so for Adam Lallana, you know. Lallana, Sunday's he's, here at Old Trafford. Yeah. New super sub now, he's last, yeah. se- last season's, this season's Origi. You, know, you, you said right at the start, Keith, you know, Klopp did seem very kind of chilled and relaxed about it. And if, you know, it's, obviously it's, it's a standard journalistic phrase. So-and-so's been given a selection nightmare, selection dilemma. At the end of the day, these are the problems that managers want yeah. Yeah. rather than can I, am I going to have to put a winger in at full-back? Or, that, or that, that was actually yeah. the first question today. Someone said, um, I think it was Vinny O'Connor from Sky Sports, yeah, gonna, uh, after the performances in midweek, have you got a selection headache? And he, he said no. If we had a headache every time a good player played well, then you know wouldn't get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the Man City right now, they're playing midfielders in defence, and you know that's a headache. This yeah. is yeah, not yeah, a yeah. headache. No. Um, and up front, Sean Dundee, <laughs> uh, Roger Hunt, yeah, and Fabio Barini. Billy Little. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, um, can we have I didn't actually think. Just give him another chance. Had his, had his best game against Genk, I thought. Passes were going astray and he was delaying them when he should have released a little bit earlier and so on. And then 
he just makes a mug of me by skinning two defenders yeah. with his back to goal and sticking it away with his right boot. So you got to keep him in. Um, for me, for me, I was again it's outstanding and should be banned for that flick. To oh, be fair, it was. It's before the watershed, the children watching that. <laughs> the only problem is Mane didn't stick it away, and that would have been the greatest. Well, you ban him then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, front three is the front three, Anna. Yeah. yeah, there's no no changes there. Okay, um, right. Scoreline prediction. Hate doing these. Go on, Paul. I didn't invent it. Don't blame me. Two one. Liverpool. Two nil. Ah, uh, you took Maybe. the words out of my mouth. In homage to Madrid, two nil. Just no, a really just kind a of nice s- little. Twist Symmetry. it right up those North London folk. Uh, right, well, thank you for joining us, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this on Friday afternoon ahead of another big weekend of football. Um, stick with the Echo online and in print, of course, right the way through the weekend for all the latest news coming out of Anfield. 140, eh? We're getting old. 140. You look good on it, though, don't we? Been eating our greens. You've only been here um, for half of that, haven't you? Yes, thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> See you oh, outside after. Yeah. <laughs> Of I, wanted course. To, I wanted to say the same thing today, Prentice, before, but he walked away before I could crack wise, so uh, I've got to get that one in on you, sorry. Fair though. enough, well, I'll take that on the chin. Um, <laughs> of course, we'll have live coverage right throughout Sunday, all the best build-up, live coverage of the game and all the post-match stuff, and we'll be back on Monday uh, to dissect everything that happens, that's happened on Anfield, hopefully with another good win for the Reds, and we'll also be looking forward, of course, to the midweek League Cup game against Arsenal. So have a good weekend, folks, and up the Reds. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.